Go to Second Corinthians chapter five. This is our last week where we'll use these boxes and then they'll go away into storage for another couple of years. So if you like the boxes, then savor tonight. If you hate the boxes, come back next week. Because they'll be they'll be elsewhere. Um, so we've been looking, let me get my stuff together, I'm kind of dis- discombobulated today. Um, we're looking at, a, at different ways that, as humans, we, different ways that we view ourselves and, and kind of what that means and all that, all that that entails and, and, and the implications of that for different aspects of life. And so I want to start off uh, with a quote um, I used Maximus quote from Gladiator a couple weeks ago, and people seem to like that. So I'll use another military man quote. Uh, There's a great Navy shipman that said, uh, I am what I am, <laughs> and that's all that I am. And some of you aren't laughing. Well, it's really not funny, but that's probably the main reason why you're not laughing, but some of you don't get it. Um, that was said by Popeye the Sailor Man. Uh, and several years ago, several, over a decade ago, I don't know where several, what several means. I never understood that word. But um, John Ortberg uh, wrote a book that uh, had a lot of influence on us as a ministry. It's called The Life You've Always Wanted. And he takes that statement that Popeye makes where he says, I am what I am, and that's all that I am. And uh, he talks about like what a sad statement that is. I never really thought of it as being sad when I was a kid. I just thought it was. I thought there were a lot more troubling things about Popeye than that. Uh, mostly the his forearms <laughs> were like this big, and his upper arm was like like mine, like not very big at all. Like not. I never understood that. But anyway. I never really found that to be that troubling. Ortberg was very bothered by him saying, I am what I am, and that's all that I am. And, and in the book, he, he, kind of, he kind of goes a, a direction with it I think makes a lot of sense, that there are a lot of people who, that is really kind of the way that they view themselves. And that's what we're going to look at tonight, and that's the, the pattern of worldly thinking we're going to look at, is that's, that same idea that like I, I am who I am, and, and this is just how it's going to be. That I'm, I'm always going to be this way. I've always been this way. I'm always going to have these issues and these struggles. And, and, and I think people just get to where they just kind of accept it. You know? That maybe, maybe they'll go through stretches of time where some struggles get a little better, maybe a little worse. But for the most part, I think so, just a lot of people are just like, look, this is just who I am. You know? and, and they don't really, maybe they would change you know, if, that, if, if they you know, found a genie somewhere and they're like, yeah, I'd like to change this about me. But but if it comes to actually like putting in the work or whatever, a lot of times it's just kind of like, no, it's, this is just how I am. It's just, that's it. I'm not talking about like personality. You know, I'm not talking about, you know, I, whatever. Like I wish I like to dance or I like, you know, I wish I like to play games or whatever. 
Those are, those are things about me that I don't enjoy. Uh, and so I'm not talking about like things about your personality that other people wish were different, that you are just kind of like okay with or whatever. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like, like lifelong struggles and things about, about our lives that like these patterns of, of thinking that leads to behavior and stuff that we really just wrestle with and, and, and things that we really don't want to be, you know. Nobody wants to be addicted to something, you know, whether it's a substance or whether it's, um, you know, certain internet addictions and that, that kind of stuff or gambling or whatever. Nobody wants to be addicted to something. Um, and that's just, just one example of, of, of what I'm talking about, of things that people are like, look, I'm just, I guess I'm just kind of always going to be this guy or whatever. Um, that, is, that is found all across our world very much. Uh, and, and it shows up in a lot of places, just that kind of that attitude of like, once, you've, once you get to a certain point in adulthood, you're like, look, this is who I am, don't try and change me. And uh, if we're, if we're going to get into like, looking at this with like, specific struggles with sin and different things, um, that cannot be a pattern that we as Christians conform to. Uh, but, but I see it a lot. I sit across from it a lot in sit-downs with people um, who really, they want their lives to change, but they don't, they, they really don't think that it's possible. And they kind of really are a lot more like Popeye than, than they want to admit. And so, so we're going to look at, at what the Bible has to say about this and how this fits into our, our identity tonight. So in 2 Corinthians 5, um, you know, we, we, we took like 10 months and went through 2 Corinthians a couple of years ago. So I'm sure you're all very up to speed on it and probably remember every detail of that whole series. Um, I'm just kidding. But, uh, so we've been through this text before, but, uh, but not in this way and not with the boxes. So maybe this will be a little bit different. Um, so in chapter 5, he's covering some pretty killer ground. And it's just, it's just one of those chapters. It's kind of like last week we went through Romans 8. It's just one of those chapters that's just packed with stuff. Uh, but we're going to pick up in, four, in verse 14. This is Paul writing, and he says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who, might live, that, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Okay, we're going to stop right there. In, in 14, um, he says, We've concluded that one has died for all, one has died for all, therefore all have died. This is a really, really important thing for all of us to grasp. Okay? So if you are a Christian, okay, you need, you need to, to make sure that, that there's no wavering in your understanding of this. And then for me, that there's no wavering in my understanding of this. Um, and so there, this will, we'll kind of review a little bit here. Um, and I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I, I wrestled all weekend long with like how, to, how to teach this. Without it taking six hours, so I, I don't think we'll be here six hours, but maybe. Um, here's a, okay. So so this deal, this would be you. And um, when when you were born, and when I was born, when all of us were born, we're born with a with with a sin nature. So our first our first parents were Adam and Eve. So Adam. Adam was our first father, and his sin meant that uh, he was separated from God, and he passed that sin to his kids, and then there were 
more kids and there's more people and everybody comes from those two folks. I know there's a lot of like, how does that work? I don't know. Uh, we talk about that later. But that, but that's that's what the Bible teaches, and that's we, we place our faith in, in saying that God is is working hard all throughout the scriptures to make sure that we are working with the truth. And so um, that sin nature, uh, basically, if you think of Adam and Eve being separated from God because of their sin, His holiness would just obliterate them. Um, they're separate. They start having kids. It gets passed down. And the next thing you know, you're born. Um, but this golf ball, it says sin on it, and so that sin nature was in inside of you uh, when you were born. And when I was born, and that's what—that's the the defining thing about about us. Uh, whenever whenever we're born and before we meet Jesus and all the good things happen, this is what defines us: the fact that there's a sin nature in you. And this is is what affects all of your decisions and all of uh, this is what motivates you and and everything. That sin it all comes down comes down to being bent toward yourself. Basically, and so everybody on the planet is born with this sin nature in them that uh, wants to bring everything back to them all the time. So that's why things like like money and uh, power and all these kinds of things end up being like like pride. All that stuff it always comes back to ourselves. So everybody's born with that sin nature in them and that like that leaning toward like self centeredness in all forms. All right, so. Uh, so that's like this is your life before like before placing faith in Jesus. That's that's how it is. And this box, um, this kind of represents like the the collective like grouping of like all like everything around. If you take this and multiply it by like several billion, right? That's that is a that's a bunch of sinners. Okay, and all those sinners, if everybody's like trying to like. Everybody's trying to get ahead, and everybody's looking out for themselves, and this, and this, and this. It, it creates this, this attitude and this mindset that's out there. And that's, that's, where, that's where all of our, like, our advertising comes from. You know, it shows, it shows that, that attitude, and that's where our entertainment comes from. It shows that attitude. And so when we talk about the world, that's, that's essentially what we're saying. That's what this represents. This is the, the collective uh, attitude of all those sinners put together. So the world is this place where, where, where we learn things like your identity is how much money you make. Your identity is, uh, it, is your relationship status. Your identity is what you look like or where you're from. Um, your identity is like all this like ridiculous stuff. Um, and so that's kind of what goes on. And so in the world, you end up in this sinful world. And if everybody's looking out for number one then you kind of adopt that attitude too because you have that sin nature in you. And so that's why, um, that's why if you find a $100 bill on the ground, uh, you know, your first thought is like, what can I go buy? And not like, who, who can I bless with this? Because you know? it's towards ourselves. And so the world would tell you, if you find a $100 bill on the ground, don't you dare give it to charity. You, know? you go buy yourself something that you need. So that's, that's kind of what, what's going on there. What this verse is, is saying, it says that um, for the love of Christ controls us, because we've included this, one has died for all, therefore all have died. So Jesus died for all, therefore all have died. All right? So here comes, uh, here comes let's see, which one do I want to use? I'll use this one. Okay? This says Christ on it. So Jesus comes along, and Jesus leaves heaven. Heaven be up here. Leaves heaven, comes to earth, right? Comes into the sinful world. You know, and lives 30-something years, perfect life, dies, 
right? It says, one died for all. So when, when he died, here's, here's what, what essentially happened, is the, the penalty for this, like this, this situation, the holiness of God just destroys this. And that's what has to happen, is in his wrath, sin threatens his children, so he obliterates sin. And where does sin live? Inside of his children. So he destroys his children, basically. That's what wrath does. Um, and so what Jesus says is, that, hey, that, and, and God is like, hey, look, my holiness, my, like me being holy and perfect. Okay, this is going somewhere I didn't think it was going to go, but it's going to be good. Uh, so here's God. God's over here. God and, and so Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Trinity are over here. And they're like, man, th- that's a pretty tough situation because uh, if this, if this is exposed to the holiness here, then that's going to get destroyed. And if that gets destroyed, then all of our precious ones that we made in our image get obliterated. And they die. Which goes against the whole purpose in us creating them, which was to love them. And I'm speaking in plurality because I'm talking about the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. The Trinity is saying, we created them in our image. We don't want to destroy them. But our holiness is going to do that. So here's what's going to happen the Son, Jesus, He's going to go and He's going to redeem all this. So Jesus leaves, leaves the Trinity, comes over here, goes into this, uh, lives, and He dies. And what happens is, let's take, this, let's take the golf ball sin here. The penalty for this that's in all of us is death. So that was placed on Jesus. Not, not in Jesus, but on Jesus. For, for everybody that's, that's there, it's placed on Him. So that wrath, this, I hope this is making sense, the wrath that's here that was coming at you is now coming at Him. But Jesus, is, he's, He can handle it. You, me, we would, dead. We, we, would, we would be dead. So the penalty for that is put on Him. The wrath comes on. Penalty paid. Sin goes away. Jesus is left. That's pretty good. And then Jesus and God and all of them, the whole Trinity, had this plan. He said, oh, it's not going to just stop there. We're going to live inside. We're going to take that, the sin out. We're going to live inside of our children. So Christ in, goes in you. And that's the hope of glory. And so Christ in you. But this is a game changer for you. And for me. Now, when this verse says that uh, one has died for all, therefore all have died, this is, what, this is what it means in relation to I am what I am and that's all that I am. Okay? That when Jesus died, the Bible says that you died too. That when that penalty was placed on him, when your penalty was placed on him, and the, and the wrath of God was poured on him, and the wrath of God was satisfied, his death was your death. He was raised, so you were raised. There's an identification that happens with that. And so our identity, it's not just that he's like, hey, I'm going to take this sin out and put myself in. We're, we're placing our faith in what Jesus did and we're, 
We're saying, no, I believe that Jesus came to do that. And He was going to do that for me. You place your faith in that. And you're saying, okay, well, when He died, I died. So your sin nature is dead. So that, that leaning toward yourself is dead. And now Christ is in you. And so you... As, there's just no, no more literal way I can say this, but you're not the one that you used to be. That person has died. And you have been raised. So like it says in 14, One has died for all, therefore all have died. And He died for all, that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for Him who for their sake died and was raised. So, when... When we sing songs about Jesus dying on the cross, we're also singing songs about our death on that cross. Now, I'm not trying to equate those things. I'm not trying to say that, I'm not trying to make things all about us. I'm trying to help us theologically to understand what really happened there. That when, when if you go to an Easter pageant or something at a church and, you, and they have the big drama, you know, and there's Jesus hanging on the cross, his death is your death. His resurrection is your resurrection. So when it comes to seeing our, like, your sense of identity and my sense of identity, we have to understand that we're not the ones that we used to be because that person died. That leaning towards self is done. And a new person has risen. And so Jesus, when, when, he, when he died... God raised him from the dead. He's, I mean, he's the same, same Jesus. He didn't change. But when you died, and he raised you from the dead, you are not the same as you were before. With him, no change. With you, complete change. And the illustration that everybody uses is, is a worm to the cocoon to the butterfly. Like he's not, he's not the same anymore. And there's no going back the other direction at all. Like you're a completely different person than you were. So he goes on. The next couple of verses are 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him as thus. No longer. So what he's saying is, we no longer look at people based on like worldly standards. So remember, I'm going to put this lid back on. And this is going to continue to represent the world. So remember this over here, everybody's like, it's all about what you look like, and how you speak, and how much money you make, and it's just all those kind of things. Paul's saying, we no longer look at people according to the flesh. According to the, the standards of the world. We don't size people up that way. Say, we even did that to Jesus. But we don't anymore. It's a big shift. says, we don't regard people that way anymore. Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All right. So, if anyone's in Christ, so so Christ in you, and then you are also in 
in Christ. The Bible talks about that, like it's both. He's inside of you, but you're also in Him. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. What does passed away mean? Dead. Died. The old has died. All your selfish leanings, dead. Everything, dead. New creation, butterfly. Old has passed away, the new has come. New creation. And so, we're, in Colossians 3 it says, same thing, for you have died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Ephesians 4 says that we're sealed, it's sealed by the Holy Spirit. And it's not like sealed, like, like you hear that click, like, oh, it's sealed. You know, you know that's not sealed. Right? Think like metal box, like welded, okay? The fusing of different metals, like can't, okay, that kind of seal that's happened, okay? Um, so, th- so this, this is who you are, this is who you were, this is who you are. So, I am what I am, and that's all that I am. Makes no sense when we understand identity in Christ. It makes no sense. In Christ, we say, I am what I am. I think that's a good, good deal. I am what I am. I'm in Christ. But it's not, and that's all that I am. See, there, there's, a, there's a thing that, that happens. Let me read the rest of the verses, and I'll get to this thing. Look at the rest of this. Verse 18. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. We implore on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, He made Him, who, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. That last verse, uh, for our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that putting that golf ball on top of Christ, like applying that penalty, um, he, did, he was sinless, but He became sin for us, so that we might become what it says, the righteousness of God. Okay, So, so here's, here's what that means. Righteousness, uh, the, way, the way I understand it the best, is to think of it as like it's holiness in action. Like, uh, we don't really know what, maybe like, like, like the idea of holiness, we've spent some time talking about this lately, like it's, kind of, it's just so big sometimes. But holiness is, is demonstrated, and when, and when it's demonstrated, that's righteous action. So the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, those things, that's righteousness in action. That's what the holiness of God looks like when it's like moving, and it's acting, and it's doing and so, what that verse says is that uh, Jesus became sin, died for us, all that stuff, so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's what it says. We would literally become His righteousness. So that He would make us into what holiness looks like when it walks the earth. That's what, that's what is happening. And if you're anything like me, you're like, wait a second. So, I'm supposed to, like, dim, like I'm supposed to be like walking around, people are like, 
What does holiness look like? Oh, Josh. That scares me. But that's what, that's what not just in that verse, there's, it's all over the New Testament. That's what God is doing. He's making us the righteousness of God. Leading us down paths of righteousness for His namesake. He's teaching us how to be righteous. Teaching us how to live out the holiness that He has already obtained for us. So I am what I am. That's, that's not a bad identity statement. That's pretty good. I know who I am. And Popeye says, and that's all that I am. What he's basically explaining is the fact that I'm, I'm never going to change. But what the Bible says about us is that you're becoming the righteousness of God. And so here's, here's kind of where, what happens here. I said this a couple weeks ago. That I, I, I colored this red at one point, And I couldn't remember why at first. And I, got, uh, I remembered and people were reminding me and helping me remember what, what goes on. Uh, which I'm very grateful for. Uh, and so, um, when this whole thing happens, you know, the golf ball comes out, Christ goes in, but this thing doesn't, it just doesn't change. And I think that's a part of why the new creation thing is so hard to understand because uh, you're like, no, I get it. Worm goes in the cocoon, becomes a butterfly or caterpillar or whatever it is. Uh, Jacob, you can correct me later on. Um, <clears throat> So I, understand, all right, I get the caterpillar, butterfly, new creation deal. And I think we would identify it so much if this deal had changed a lot. But a lot of us are like, you know what? Like before, like before I became a Christian, I struggled with some stuff that I still struggle with. See, the, the inside is new. The heart of stone has been removed. The heart of flesh has been put in. There's all kinds of ways that God explains it, but the the Christ in you is in there, so the, so the inside is the same, you know? I mean, the inside is different, but the outside is the same. You're like a, you're like a old, like, Daihatsu car or something. That, like, they took the engine out and put this, like, awesome engine on the inside, and they closed the hood. And you're like, well, what good does it do? I'm still driving this, like, rusted-out car, right? Uh, I apologize if you drive a Daihatsu. I was just trying to think of something random. But uh, that's kind of what it feels like. It's like, wait, okay, so on the inside, I'm completely new, but the outside, I'm the same. And so, so my flesh still struggles with all the stuff that I learned from living in there. My flesh still struggles with, with pride and like all this self-centeredness and, and materialism and you know, greed. and uh, just, I, I still struggle with all that stuff because this thing is still the same. And when, to that, I would say, yeah, you're right. You're right. And I think that's, that's something I think why people find an exception to the butterfly deal for them. They say, yeah, but I'm, not, I'm really not that different. But you are. The inside of you is different. The outside of you is, is becoming different. The outside of you is catching up with the inside of you. I don't know if that makes any sense. So the red that's there... That's that flesh. That's, the, that's like what we learn there. That's, that's our, like we are just walking around these bodies that, that have that leaning toward ourselves. And the Christ in you is in there. And you could probably, I don't know if you can see him, but he's there. I think like when we first like become Christians and stuff, uh, this is like really, really dark. You know, like you can't almost, maybe can't even see Christ in there, you know. Like I remember in, in high school we had this like, uh, 
youth evangelists come to our church and they were like, invite all your, you know, invite all your lost friends, you know, and stuff. So, I, I, whatever, I brought these two guys with me and we're sitting there and this guy's like, he's fiery, he's preaching it up, you know, and I don't really know what's going on. He gives a big altar call. My two buddies walk down there. I was like, oh, that's awesome. And uh, so they go back with the, in the counseling room, you know, whatever. And they come out and they got some, you know, literature with them. And uh, they're like, let's go get something to eat. So we're like, cool. So we go to McDonald's. And I'm like, wanting to talk about what just happened. And I'm really confused because, like, they're still talking like they were before. And they're still... Like, they're still, I don't know, like, looking at girls weird, you know, like they were before, and talking about it. And I was like, wait, I thought they just got saved. They shouldn't be talking about that stuff. And then I was and like, so we kind of hung out, and it was just kind of weird. And, like, the next couple of days, like, they were no different than they were before. And, like, they were my, they were my buddies and stuff. And that's not, not meant to be judgmental. Just kind of showing you where I was at the time in my mind. I was like, I was really just expected them to come out like butterflies, and they still look like caterpillars, you know. And I think that's the frustration sometimes. It's like we want this radical, like immediate, like we want to like like pray that sinner's prayer and like open up our eyes and like we glow, you know, and like there's just and like you know we're like Mother Teresa from like the rest of our lives, like you know whatever, and like it just doesn't. That's not how it works. When Christ goes in you, this is all really dark. And the reason why I did this a couple years ago is because with the Christ in you, He's teaching you how to become the righteousness of God. He's teaching you how to live consistently with who you are. And so He's kind of like banging around your life a little bit. And as He bangs around your life, He starts to chip away parts of that red that are there, you know. So I think from the moment like that, that happens, when, whatever that moment is, whatever that even means, when, uh, when Christ comes to live inside of you, I think this starts. And I don't think it ever, it ever stops. Just, just going all the time, all the time, all the time. And I think that He's chipping away at that red stuff. He's chipping away at that leftover garbage from your old dead life. He's chipping away at that self-centeredness and that pride and and all those things about us. And so the reason why um, I, I am what I am, and it's all that I am, the reason why that's false is because this is going on in your life. This is, like the, the churchy term for this is progressive sanctification. Is that God is, is constantly sanctifying you, purifying you, teaching you how to live out the righteousness that He has obtained that is inside of you. And it's progressive. Like it's slow and steady. But that's why you look at someone and their first year of walking with Jesus is really different than like their seventh and eighth year of walking with Jesus. Because he's progressively sanctifying them. And that's why sometimes you sit down with, with someone who's in, like in their 80s and they've walked with Jesus for like 60 years. You know why they're so Christ-like? Because this has been going on for like 60 years. That's why. So he's teaching us. So the reason why it's not all that you are is because you're not the one that you used to be. And you're not the one that you're going to be. It's a part of our identity is that while this is all done and accomplished and sealed and taken care of, He's constantly working in us and shaping us and growing us.
And so, a lot of times when I'm like doing sermon prep, I just well, that shouldn't do that. Uh, a lot of times when I'm when I'm doing sermon prep, I'll kind of like have all this stuff out there or like community group material, and I'll like have like just this blob of like nonsense a lot of times because I can't really write very well, and 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 so I'll take it and I'll just kind of look at it, and I'll be like, so what? Like what's the What's it like? Why does this make a difference? Like, how, do, how does it go from being like good information to being like applicable? Um, let me just give you two, two really quickly, two walkaways from this. Um, the first one is that you are a saint. And if you're taking notes, you should not write, You are a saint. You should write, I am a saint. You're not a sinner, you're a saint. I said earlier, I have pet peeves about church lingo and Twitter. And church lingo is when people say that they are a sinner. It bothers me so much. What's really weird is when those overlap. And that's like their, uh, their like Twitter information thing. You know, like, I'm a redeemed sinner. I'm like, no! <laughs> you're a saint. Because you're a saint does not mean that you don't struggle with sin. But there's a difference between saying, I am selfish, and saying, I am a saint who struggles with selfishness. See, the struggles that you have are counterintuitive to who you really are. Like, that's such a big, fat truth we just really we just need that just to like plop on us. That when we sin, we're not doing what comes naturally to us. That's an unnatural action based on our on our identity. Now it seems natural because of our flesh, because that red that red stuff that I was talking about, it seems natural because that's some leftover whatever, but that's not that's not the what the engine on the inside is saying. What really defines us. And so I think that there are people who, who they would say, like, well, I mean, I'm just, like, I'm the, I'm an addict, you know, or I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm selfish, or I'm prideful, or I'm, uh, like, I'm filled with lust, you know, or uh, I'm materialistic, or I'm this, and I'm this, and I'm this. And it's dangerous when you begin to find identity in your struggle, because uh, that's what's going on in the world, and that's the pattern we're not to conform to. And so if, if we can deepen our understanding, only by God's help, to understand that, no, I'm a saint who struggles with greed, means that I'm struggling with something that goes against my nature. And so my prayer for all of us is that the next time, like we're faced with some sort of like, uh, with like acting on some of those sinful struggles that we have, that, that God will just kind of like just whisper like, that, "That's not you. That's that's not you." When I was in uh, middle school, I was uh, I was introduced to a term. I was introduced to a lot of terms uh, when I went to middle school, but I was introduced to a term that was. Uh, People kept, they kept calling each other posers, or they would say somebody was a poser. And, uh, 
It took me a while to figure out what that meant. And uh, you'd have these guys who were, at that time, like, uh, it was kind of like the first, it was when, like, Tony Hawk was not, like, a video game guy. He was an actual, like, competitive skater, and he was young, and he was, like, whatever. And see all these guys that dressed like Tony Hawk all the time, and they were just into all the skateboard stuff. So everything they wore was, like, skateboarder stuff, head to toe. Um, and then, like, but you'd have the guys who would run in that crowd but, like, didn't own a skateboard. And, or, like, couldn't skate at all. They, like, maybe they had one, they just, like, carried it, you know. Uh, it was always, like, clean, you know, no scuffs on or anything. And, uh, and they would snuff them out, and they'd be like, you are the biggest poser. Like, you quit trying to dress like us. See, that's what, that's what sin is for us. When you're there and you're, you're about to engage in whatever that struggling activity is, whatever it might be, you're a poser. And so I hope that God just whispers, like, hey, that's, you, know, you know that's not who you are, right? I, was a, I had a good friend in high school who was a good Christian guy, and we were at a, one of those like, after prom, after party things. It was so cool. And he, like, he like, walked around with this like, wine cooler the whole time. Same one, all night, just walked around with it, never drank it, just held it. He was a friend of mine from the youth group. And uh, I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know? And he didn't have a good explanation, and, you know. But I remember just thinking, like, that's, that's not him. And not just because, like, it's out of character. Like, no, that's not who you are. Like, you're not the guy who's, like, trying to impress people by holding the Seagrams, you know? Like, that doesn't, it just doesn't work. That's not who you are. So you're a saint. So start practicing that lingo, you know? Like, start, like, in your prayers. Uh, like, don't say, God, will, will you, like, I, I really want deliverance from this issue, you say, God, I know that you have delivered me from this. But I'm struggling with it. I'm a saint who struggles with whatever it is. And I know that I am becoming more and more the person that you made me to be. And I want to join you in that process. The first point is that you're a saint. The second point is that Jesus is teaching you how to act like it. First point, you are a saint. Second point, Jesus is teaching you how to act like it. And it's not behavior modification. I'm not trying to I'm not go on that route of like we need to fix our behavior. I believe that Jesus will fix our behavior. When, when, when we let him just go crazy and start roughing up that flesh. And helping us to see who we really are and letting that righteousness shine through. And what he's done. And I really just, like, I'm, it's one of my, like, like, passions is just to help us really just see what the Bible says about us. Because um, I believe that it, it, it changes the game on so many levels. Because if you think you're a sinner, you're going to just, you're going to act like a sinner. But when you realize you're a saint, it changes stuff. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's, we're being renewed more and more from one degree of glory to another and knowledge of our Creator. That's what, that's what it tells us. And so I don't know how this applies to you, 
But I, I hope that you know that when you combine the last couple of weeks together, that being in Christ and those struggles not identifying us and those struggles not separating us from His love, um, walking in those truths, that's, that's the abundant life that Jesus said He came, he came for. Um, that's what living in the kingdom looks like. And what's awesome is that this, this looks really isolated if you think of you, like just, just you. But this also represents us. Represents Christians. This has happened to His church. And uh, so we're in this together. So let's help each other and let's figure it out. But the best thing we can do for one another is point each other to what's true. So let me pray for us. We're going to sing a little bit in response to this. Uh, But let me pray for us as the band comes back up. Lord, uh, there's so much comfort in just in knowing who you are. We thank you that you have revealed your character and your um, your attributes to us all throughout your word. And we know that you don't change. And like we talked about a couple weeks ago, once you've made your mind up, you get it done. And so... For those who are in Christ, you have made your mind up that they are going to be the righteousness of God. And although we could probably all come up with a big list of reasons why we're an exception to that, none of those things uh, would undo what you have done. We thank you, God, that we... That where we are right now, this is, this is not it for us. That we are always becoming more and more and more in You. I pray, Lord, for those who are, who've kind of settled into that place of just thinking, you know what, I'm just going to always struggle with I'm just, I'm just, I'm gonna This is always going to be there for me. I'm never going to be free from this. I pray, Lord, that You would just breathe hope into, into their minds. That you would help them refute the lie that says it's never going to change. Lord, that their hope would be found in you, in you alone and what you have done. Help them to see themselves as you see them. Help us all, God, to see us through, through that lens, knowing that when you look at us, you really, you just see yourself. And Lord, we know that, um, that living in this world, it's, it's a tough place sometimes, and there's just a lot of, a lot of things that are tempting, and um, a lot of things to struggle through. And God, we are grateful that you've have put us together that we could encourage one another and serve one another, pray for one another, and I pray we would be faithful. Above all these things, Lord, we know that you are 
you are our greatest advocate. That no one wants no one wants us to to walk in that righteousness more than you do. That you are for us. So Lord, help us to receive that truth tonight. We, going back to last week, a lot of times we feel like you're mad at us or frustrated with us because these things still linger. But those things don't separate us from your love. And even in that process where you're, you're in our hearts and you're, you're sanctifying us, you're, you're purifying some things, it's such a loving process when you correct and you discipline and you, you push us forward. Or just help us to rest in your goodness and in the identity that is the real us. We'll just spend a few minutes just praying, just you and the Lord, and we'll sing here in a second.